team on new season in January, and we have um, spoken about a new heart for a new season, a new commandment, a new hope, and also a new living way. And today, what's new? Chinese New Year, all right? It's also new. We move on to a new season and a new series where we're going to talk about a lifestyle of evangelism, lessons from the early church. And um, to begin today's series, we're going to move on to the first church of the church history to learn from them. And I call this church a growing church, a growing church. When we talk about growing, you know, we, it's not talking about Chinese New Year where, you know, we have grown so much because of the food that we have eaten, something like this. After three years, you know, after not three days, you know, three days, you know, wow, you just grew and grew. No, no, we're not about talking about that, but rather a church that grows spiritually in a spiritual community. How different it is, you know, as we are from the early church. How did the church grow to what it is today? What precious lesson can we learn from them? Oh, there are so many. And to begin, today we're going to just start with three. And that brings us to the roadmap for today's study. From the first church, we learn to grow through spiritual multiplication. Second, to grow in a spiritual community. And lastly, to grow towards spiritual transformation. But before we start, let's ask the head of the church to speak to us. Shall we pray? Just bow your heads and close your eyes right now and just take this moment to quieten down your spirit and just tell the Lord to speak to you. Just tell the Lord, Lord, speak to me. For your son, your daughter's hears. And then say a prayer for me so that the Lord will speak through me and through me. Father, we thank you so much for this time as we come before you this Chinese New Year with this new series on the lifestyle of evangelism. We want to ask the Lord that you will tutor us, right? Bring us back to the early church and to learn from them. Now may the words that come out from my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. As I give you my five loaves and two fishes, use them for the extension of a kingdom in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to look at this book, Acts. Acts chapter 2. And, but before we zoom into the text, Let's take a quick look at the overview of this book. The book of Acts is written by Dr. Luke, and it presents to us you know, the sovereignty of God at works through the acts of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the key verse many suggested to be Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it all begins at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was given. From this text, we also can divide this book into three segments. Chapter 1 to 7 in Jerusalem, chapter 8 to 12, Judea and Samaria, and chapter 13 to 28 to the ends of the earth. It is right at Pentecost, where Peter began to preach his first sermon where the first church was established. And that brings us to the text for this afternoon. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 47. Allow me to read to you. Now, when they heard this and they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? 
And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with all other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. For those who received his word were baptized and there added that day about 3,000 souls. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending to the temple at, together, breaking bread in their homes, and they received bread with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who are being saved. The Lord blessed the reading of His Word. The text begins with, Now, now when they heard this, they were cut to their hearts. The question is, what's this? What's this? It was Peter's first sermon at Pentecost. Verse 36, before this, give us a summary of this sermon where he reads, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. He is Jesus, He is Lord, He is God, He is Christ, and you crucify Him. When people heard these words, these were just cut right into their hearts. Meaning the Holy Spirit was using Peter's heart to convince the hearts of the people, the hearers of their wrongdoings. It was then the people then responded by saying, what shall we do? What shall we do? Peter then gave them three simple applications. Repent from your sins, respond in baptism, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they will be forgiven. This promise was not just for them, but also for their children. Not just for their children, but also for those who are far off. Not just for those who are far off, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And it starts with yourselves. Start with yourself by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what they did. They received the word, act upon it, baptized, and 3,000 were added to the 120 then. It was a 26 times growth. Wow, that's how the first church was born. With the new church, God was about to do something new. That's where Luke beautifully presented to us a chaotic structure in the text that follows. What's a chaotic structure? Oh, it's a pattern that God used to present a message from a text to us. It's a very interesting pattern. And there are many, many of them in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 to 47 is just one of the many. Let's take a look at this text. And the first pair is verse 41 and 47b. 
All right, you can see from there the first one and the last one. These two verses present to us a similar idea that the people did what God asked them to do and they grew. Many were added that day. The second pair, verse 42 and 46, 47, this few verses tells us that the people came together daily as a church and that's what they did. Finally, verse 43 to 45, there were miracles, signs, and wonders, and the people were blessed. With this chiastic structure, that brings us to the three points for today's message. And to begin, let's begin with the first pair, verse 41 and 47b. We can learn from the early church to grow through spiritual multiplication. Two fathers was trying to boast about how smart their four-year-old boys were. So the first father asked his son confidently, Son, tell uncle, what's five plus five? Ten. Oh. The other father then turned to his son and said, Son, tell them, what's five times five? Twenty-five. Oh, the first father was surprised but not fully convinced. So during the break, he quietly turned to the boy and tested him again. Boy, tell me, tell uncle, what is 5 times 5? 25. What is 3 times 3? 25. <laughs> pet answers, pet answers. If you still don't know what I'm talking about, it is time for you to revise your timetable. The truth is, maybe addition or subtraction, the church must grow. We're not here to play some number games because every soul matters. That's why the church must grow. Because the lost need Jesus, that's why the church must grow. Because the lost need salvation, that's why the church must grow. I'm not talking about transferring members from one church to the other. Of course, do so as the Lord leads you. But we are talking about evangelism where people are being saved. In other words, it's that it's growing, it's growing, and it's still growing. Chapter 6, verse 7 tells us this the word of the Lord, continue to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly. The great number of priests became obedience to the faith. Take note of those words that are highlighted. Paul preached boldly and with the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. Chapter 11, 23 to 24 when Barnabas saw the grace of God, he was glad. He exhorted the people to remain faithful to God. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and many were added to the Lord. When the word of God increased, multiplied. Another translation put it this way, the converts were multiplied. Chapter 16, verse 5, the churches were strengthened in the faith as they hear the word of God. Again, they increase in numbers daily. There are a few more. I will not list them for you here, but the church was unstoppable. There was what is happening. They did not stop at 3,120. They grew as they continued to share the gospel all the way to the ends of the earth and up to today. So what's the key? What's the secret? What's the key to this? From these verses, it tells us it got to something to do with the preaching of the word, including sharing the gospel and also with the help of the Holy Spirit. From that day, the very day when the Holy Spirit was given to us on, in Acts chapter 2, 
the church have been trying to form its identity. And as they do so, God continues to add to them many, many who are being saved. They simply share the gospel and the result is spiritual multiplication. So important, church, for us to continue to share the gospel and the love of God as led by the Holy Spirit. We need the Word and we need the Spirit. As we are celebrating this Chinese New Year, I noticed a lot of change over the last three years. A few years ago, I was still moving from house to house. And within a day, my family can visit up to five houses that will cover breakfast, lunch, tea break, dinner, and sometimes supper. And this will be a time where I share with my uncles and aunties about Jesus, praying for them when we say grace and uh, giving my cousins and uh, pals with Bible verses, of course, uh, some many inside. But sadly, you know, because of COVID, oh, this year was extremely quiet. As I reflect upon it, I started to wonder, you know, how then can we share the love of God with our loved ones since we cannot visit them? The conclusion I get is this. We need everyone. We need everyone. If every one of us play our part to reach out to five closest to us, a 1,000 strong church intentionally do it every day, even with the limited visit, we can share to 5,000 a day. Not so bad. That's why we need everyone. I started to text my uncles and aunties to bless them, you know, um, and reverses and telling them that, you know, if we can, we will visit you. And two of my uncles then replied, basically, it's thank you, pastor. Suddenly, I miss them so much. The truth is we do not need to wait for the next Chinese New Year or when things get better. There are many ways that we can reach out to our loved ones, our relatives, our neighbours, and even our friends. I know of some. This morning, they just went to the reservoir and then give out ang and then just bless the cleaner. Amazing. Amazing. That's all we can do because everyone matters and we have a message of love to share. Once upon a time, someone shared with you and you are safe, and your life has been transformed. Have you passed it on? Have you passed it on? Now, no condemnation, no comparison, but rather, my question for you today is, how has your Chinese New Year been so far? I hope it's not just eating and eating and eating. Have you tried to share the love of God with someone this festive season? If not, why not? Why not? People need the Lord even during Chinese New Year. People need the Lord even in COVID. People need the Lord all the more as we see the day approaching. People need the Lord because their salvation is at stake. Let's not forget this. What shall we do? Share Christ as we mature in Him. Use different platforms that are available. The Hokkien service is doing a Chinese New Year outreach. Not just one, but three. I was just uh, texting Pastor Sharon. Is it too late for us to sign up? She said, no, just sign up and come. Something for you to consider. How about the English Alpha course that's starting on the 25th of March? Why not sign up together as a cell group? Invite your pre-living friends to come or those who have, have backslided. Is via Zoom is doable and less intimidating? Why don't take this Chinese New Year to greet your friends, your loved ones, and then invite them? Pray for them and ask them 
and believe that God can bring about this spiritual multiplication for their good and His glory. Numbers matters because everyone matters. Numbers matters because every soul matters to God. Do something today for spiritual multiplication. Someone put it this way, the church is called not just to make converts, but disciples. Jesus' instruction is this, go, go and make disciples. And the church, the first church just added 3,000 new converts that has yet to be discipled. There got to be something more. That brings us to the second point of the day. The first church also grow in a spiritual community. A story was told of Peter, who enrolled for a public speaking course. After one or two sessions, the teacher wanted to meet the mother. So the mother asked, is everything okay? The teacher then said, oh, I was asking the children you know, to model after their parents on how to start a conversation. And um, Peter has a very interesting way of doing that. And uh, the mother was a bit embarrassed and said, you know, tell me more, tell me more. And then the teacher said, some will say, good morning, good morning. While some will say, children, are you ready? Ready to start, but for Peter, not so. I said, How did he start? And the teacher continued to say, He will say, Silly boy, are you still listening? <laughs> Lessons are often caught, then taught. Lessons are often caught, then taught. This is especially true when we come together as a community to learn from one another. Good, sometimes not so good. But thankfully, the 3,000 who have been added caught something great. From the apostles, what's that? Let's take a look. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers, blessing one another, and even praising God. Eh? Sound like what we just did just now. But they did it consistently. The word devoted can also be translated or better translated as continue steadfastly in the New King James Version. The original word, poskaetero, has the idea of one persistently putting in effort with a single focus towards a certain course of action. In this case, not just for one thing, not even four, but actually only two. And that is to listen to God's word that includes the Old Testament and teaching of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and fellowship. And this fellowship includes breaking of the bread and praying for one another. It is not just another fellowship, you know, just eating. It's, it's about remembering Jesus and remembering each other before the Lord. The breaking of bread was repeated twice to emphasize the importance of the gathering. People must pause and stop to remember what Jesus has done for them on the cross. That's what we do every weekend to take the Lord's Supper to remember what Jesus has done for us. We are not some form of social clubs. We are a spiritual community of Christ. Of course, please feel free to go for cycling, play badminton, play basketball, you know, line dancing, and just do all this. Please do so. But first and foremost, let's not forget we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the family of God. And this fellowship is not just between us. It's between us and the Father and the Son. John put it this way. What we have seen and heard and proclaimed to you, you also may have fellowship with us, and this fellowship is with the Father and His Son, 
Jesus Christ. There must be a balance. We cannot just be studying the Word of God only or have fellowship all the way for the rest of the year. When I was younger, I attended this um, DTC in a disciple training course conducted by navigators. They have this wheel illustration that I find that it gives a very good balance of what we should do as a church. In the centre is Christ, speaking about the Lordship of Christ. And then it moves on to talk about something that's outward, the ring, where it talks about our obedience out of our inward worship up to the Lord. Then he moves on to talk about the vertical dimension where we relate to God, where God speaks to us from His Word and we commune with God in prayers. Then, beside that, horizontally, you know, we witness and fellowship. That's how we relate to one another. And we do so regularly. That's what the early church did. And they did it both in the temple and in the homes meaning corporately and also in small group. One is more structured, one is less structured. One that is more formal, one is less formal. Using BBTC terminology is our corporate worship and cell groups. For us corporately, it is online and also on-site. For cell group, it is through your body life, whether it's just sector, division, tribe, cluster or cell, but do both, temples and homes. Not one, but both. That's how they grow together in a spiritual community. Nobody grow on his own. We grow together. Acts 2 is not where it first started. In fact, when Jesus first came, he did not call for one. He called for 12 to follow him. And he formed his first spiritual community. Shortly after that, he sent them out. Not one, again, in pairs, to ask them to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. And he promised us this, when two or three gather in my name, there will I be with you in a spiritual community. That's what they were doing. And there was a sense of joy. There was a sense of oneness. There was a sense of love as they come together for the church was created to be in a spiritual community. Don't ever forget this. No valley travels and grow alone. We always grow in the spiritual community. Often after praying for someone at the altar call, I will ask the person this question, are you in a cell group? The reason is very simple. I can pray for you, but after you leave this place, I cannot journey with you. You need someone to journey with you. That's where the cell group comes in. Sometimes when the person comes with another person, and I know that, oh, this person is your spouse. Oh, this person is your cell leader. That brings me much comfort and assurance to know that after I pray for you, you are not alone. Now, we don't require our pastors or our leaders to come forward with your members, but my point is this. We all need a spiritual community whom we can turn to. As a pastor, I'm mortal for you. I'm thankful that I have a few who can speak into my life. Besides sharing food, you know, we also share our burdens, we share our struggles, we share our challenges, and we share our joy. They hold me accountable for my marriage, for my spiritual life, for my parenting, even my ministry. I give them permission to ask me hard questions to reflect so that I can respond to God. How about you, my brothers and sisters? 
have been plucked in yourself in the body life. I hope you are, especially those online. Don't just come to study the word or fellowship. Don't just come to pray and hold each other accountable. Let's grow together to love Jesus and love each other more and more in the spiritual community. And may the Lord then grant us the favour with all. Do you have someone whom you can turn to? Do you have someone that you can turn to if something happened? Before I come up, someone just texted me to pray for his mother. Do you have someone whom you can turn to? Are you in a cell group? Is someone looking out for you? Especially if you are a leader. Make sure you have someone you can turn to, especially if you are serving. Make sure you have. And don't stop growing. And as you grow, do so in a spiritual community. Is that all? Yes, the church grows through spiritual multiplication, also grow in a spiritual community, but there's one more that we do not want to miss, and that is we also need to grow towards spiritual transformation. Little Johnny came home with his report book and the father asked him, how do you fare? He said, I got 100. Oh, the father was surprised because the son didn't do so well the last time. So he asked, which subject? He said, all three subjects. The father was impressed. And Johnny then added, 40 for English, 40 for maths and 20 for Chinese. <laughs> At least he add all of them up correctly. The point is when it comes to spiritual multiplication, it's not 40%, 20%, but it's 100% where God wants to work in us from the inside out. It's 100%. God wants to change us from the inside out. Given the power of the Holy Spirit, God can do wonders, but we sort change it when we say, God, wait. Give God your 100% and say, God, just work in me. Look at the last few verses and learn from the first church. Verse 43 tells us this, All came upon every soul. The word all has the idea of reverence, respect and honour. It came when God is at work at the hearts of the people. Something supernatural, something powerful, something amazing is happening. When the people of God gather together, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 already mentioned to us that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. And the Holy Spirit is still with us. He has never left us. There are miracles, signs, and wonders. The verb being, were being done is in imperfect tense, meaning it was ongoing. People were being healed. Demons were being cast out. Prayers were being answered. Souls were being saved because God is at work in the church. Someone defined miracles, signs, and wonders this way. Miracles are signs that make us wonder. And then they will conclude that it has to be God. It has to be God. And the most powerful evidence I've seen is of reality of God is when our lives are being transformed. Look at verse 44. 
those who believed started to sell their possessions and their belongings and to give to the poor and needy. I'm sure among the 3,000 of them, there are some who are rich, there are some who are poor. Now, we're not talking about equality, you know, that everybody must be equal. But rather, we're talking about people giving sacrificially, compassionately, out of love for one another. For that is the heart of the apostle because that is upon the Father's heart. When Paul was caught, Peter and James John told Paul, that besides sharing the gospel, make sure you remember the poor. Make sure you remember the poor. Make sure you remember the poor. And Paul added, that is the very thing I was eager to do. Remember the poor. Remember the poor. God's heart goes out for the needy, the poor, the widows, the fatherless. And the Holy Spirit just stir in them a heart of compassion for those who are in need. A church that grows when look at someone who is in need and do nothing, something is wrong. We need to remember the poor. Respond to God when He does speak to us and lives will be transformed. I'm talking about our lives. That's how the church grow. About 20 years ago, I started to reach out to a group of youths, and many of them were not very well to do. So I just start to love them with the little that I have and the little that I know. I give them tuitions and uh, I teach them God's word and spend time with them. As I was still quite a new believer, a lot of things I, I, I still, you know, not too sure. So I attend cell group to learn courses and um, even pick up how to play the guitar and uh, even go to SP house for Bible study to learn how to lead and also how to teach. I must say that with all this, it was still not easy because there were times when I asked the youth to attend services, they were not very keen. They are more interested in eating McDonald's and ice cream, which I also liked. But <laughs> that is not the point, you know. And uh, I will bring them there. And then also, sometimes, you know, I just felt like giving up. I still remember there was once, you know, I brought them to service. Halfway through, one of them turned to me and said, go on, I want to go. So I thought he wanted to go to the toilet. He wanted to go home. And I sent him home. During cell group, I would play the guitar and I would sing the song. They would be holding their song sheet and they would watch me sing. It was like watching a concert. <laughs> I didn't feel very proud or I'm very proud of myself. You know, I didn't. Sometimes I felt like crying because the only voice I heard is mine. Thankfully, one or two sisters then joined me to serve alongside. They become the backup singers. Sometimes I would see the youth cycle home. I would look at their backs and watch them. And the thought that came to my mind is, when will they turn to God without me asking them? I'm thankful because um, the Lord continued to guide and encourage me. I remember there was one retreat. You know, we were just uh, sleeping in the same room, you know, and the boys in one room and the girls in one room, and I was sleeping with the boys. And uh, it was the same time where SP taught us, you know, to bless our spouse and our children when they were sleeping. And uh, I have no 
I'm not married yet, so no spouse, no children, so I bless uh, the youths. So I go around, bless them, and you want the boy woke up, hey, hey, what, what, what's happening, what's happening, you know? And I just bless them, and, and I believe the Lord has honoured my prayers. Years have passed, they are now in their 30s. Some are married, some have kids. Many are still in our church. And as an elder, I had the privilege to baptise them a few years ago. And a few of them recently invited me to bless their new home. So when I was there, they showed me around. And the most beautiful moment for me in their house is this. It's when I get to bless their kids, their babies. And when I lay my hand on the babies, the Lord reminded me that moment, that night, when I lay hands on these youths and bless them. God, the church, God is not done with us yet. And God is not done with all these young people and even the next generation. And God is not done with you and with me. God is still doing something inside us. When I look back, I thought that, no, I've given up so much. But the reality is that I've grown so much. There's still much more I need to grow. But the point is this. I've learned that when leaders come to me and say that my members are not responding, they are not growing, I would then tell them, say, give them time to grow. Just continue to love them. Continue to spend time with them. Continue to pastor them. Give them time. Give them time. And as you do so, God not only just works in them, but God also works in you. And I'm sure this is not just one story. You have your own stories as well. And as we serve, lives are being touched, including yours. For the leaders who have just rededicated your lives, your service up to the Lord in January, can I challenge you? Go for the long haul. Go for the long haul. Unless the Lord calls you to do something else, go for the long haul. Because lives are transformed over time. Not just one week, one sermon. It's life upon life. And sometimes, or most of the time, it takes time. It takes time. So, brothers and sisters, are you still experiencing God's working in your life? What are the challenges that you're facing right now? The Lord is faithful. Maybe you're trying to do your best to serve, you know, to come alongside and then to be the church that God wants you to be and then you are discouraged. And when your members got COVID, you don't know what to do. You can't visit them and then you, you, you're just thinking, what else can I do for them? They are unwell. You felt helpless. What else can you do? And sometimes you feel discouraged, you feel disappointed. You are hurt. But don't forget this. God is with us. God is with us. And we are not alone. I remember I was talking to some pastors. Can we send something to this family? And they say, oh, no need because the cell group already sent something to them. No comparison, no condemnation. But the truth is this. COVID doesn't necessarily need to make us weaker. It can make us stronger with God's help. We can be stronger after all this. After all this is over, we will have a stronger team who know how to do these online services. After all this is over, there are many who are watching online today and they will still be with us and they are still growing. 
After all this is over, we have found different ways to reach out to our loved ones. But don't miss this. Don't waste this COVID. Don't just go for vaccination after vaccination. Ask God, God, how can we grow through this season so out of this season, we will be a stronger church for Jesus Christ? Believe God for that. It doesn't need to make us smaller, weaker. With God's help, we can be stronger and bigger. Again, number counts because every soul matters. Don't ever forget this. Then when we are stronger, we can really do more for the poor, the needy, and the lost. That is the purpose while we wait for Jesus' return. God is still molding the church, and He did it not just for the first church, He's still working in His church and all the churches, including BBTC. So let's continue to learn and to grow as a growing church. One that grows in numbers through spiritual multiplication, one grows in a spiritual community, and finally, one that grows towards spiritual transformation. When we look back, when I look at you again, what we will see is Christ in you. Christ in you. The Christ of the first church and the Christ of our church, a growing church.